Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas, here's your host, Tim Wilkins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm your host, the co-host. is Actually, I'm Tim Wilkins, obviously. Chris here joining me once again. We're talking about today's topic. We're going to be doing a, a kind of a, not really something that I would say that I am completely, you know, the expert on. Chris, I think we can kind of say this, but as a casual golf player and a golf watcher over the years, the live golf versus PGA conversation has become a topic throughout the sports world, obviously through its exposure, through the expansion of live golf. And then obviously with the saga and the drama that ensues with it, as well as the Netflix documentary, uh, full swing that kind of culminates with multiple guys on the tour. Brooks Kepka, his brother, many different candidates or people that are on the t- the new golf tour. And so today's topic, we're kind of going to dive into it and, and as a casual fan, but really kind of as a way to, to educate people, but also kind of be cynical, to be casually cynical about the arguments that people place upon this tour. And I understand a lot of them are exactly what they are. Um, you know, tradition and, and things like that. But you got to rock the boat sometimes. Chris, I appreciate you joining me as always. This topic, I, I know, is not the usual NASCAR, NFL, UFC, baseball topic, but it's definitely something that's in there in the, throughout the sports world. So, Yeah, Tim. No, I'm, uh, again, I think this is both, you know, for me, I know you're more of a, more of a golf fan than I am. I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm one of the uh, the fairweather major slash back in the day when Tiger Tiger Woods was in contention golf fans. But I, I I'll admit last year with the kickoff of the of the live uh, the live tour, I I actually watched quite a few of those early tournaments just because I was interested to see what this whole uh, concept of, of live was compared to what the PGA was so definitely kind of excited to have a, a different conversation for sure. That's uh, not racing and uh, politics. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing about live golf, obviously uh, it is funded by the Saudi Arabian. Uh, I believe the correct terminology for this thing. So everyone gets it on the same page here. It is sponsored and, you know, is by their investment firm, their investment firm group that they have through the country. And the main argument that they have against live golf is that it's considered whitewashing or sports washing because of the country of Saudi Arabia's human rights atrocities that have occurred mainly due to the murder of the journalist, uh, Mr. Khashoggi. And so that's where this kind of controversy started. So that's where the controversy is. Now let's reverse back to where 
game of golf is. Okay. As a casual player, golf is emphatically difficult. There are some days that you're really good. And then there are some days that you just outright are the atrocious atrocity of the terribleness of golf. And it's not like Happy Gilmore in the movie. It is definitely not like most things in this world. There are some days you're doing really well. Then there are some days that you just suck. That's the game of golf. Golf is emphatically cruel. But to get to the level of a PGA professional, Chris, I think needs to be documented as well because this is where the conversation starts to kind of go towards more of a monopoly and more, in my opinion, to the hands of why not live golf? What's wrong with more golf? If you're a golf fan or if you're a golf player, why not more golf? Now, to be a professional in the PGA Tour, Chris, I think I'm not sure if you knew this, but you have to qualify through not just, you know, being an NCAA collegiate athlete, you can be that way. There's that is there's one path there. But the way to get to the path of a PGA professional, you have to play on a corn ferry tour, which basically is a bunch of amateurs. And uh, there's no to gain even access to the corn ferry tour, you have to go to Q school, what they call a qualifying school. So you basically have to work your way up from being an amateur or an amateur for you, you know, people that want to use the English dictionary correctly. Um, and you have to work your way up. There's obviously amateur tours around the United States and the big states like Florida, California, Texas has another amateur uh, tour as well. But you have to basically rank in the top 50 players on the Corn Ferry Tour, or you can supersede and win three of their events. And by doing so, you automatically lock yourself into a PGA Tour card. Oh, there's only been three players. There's only been 12 players in the history of the PGA to ever get locked in after winning three three events in one year. By the way, there's only been 12 players. There is other membership exemptions, like I talked about. If you're an NCAA collegiate champion, also if you win the uh, the amateur championship at the U.S. Open, I believe the courses that they play those at, you automatically lock yourself in. So those are kind of the... I believe the exact number of players that get in from being a NCAA, I think it's in the top 10 in the country. There's also other ways as well where there's the country of Canada has a PGA tour. Latin of the Latin American countries have a, a, a way to get in as well. So there's obviously different avenues to get into being a professional golfer, Chris. And I think people think that it's more of an exclusive group of people, but it really is. But it's also, you are the best of the best. You worked your way through this, like the NCAA, basketball, football, etc. And they go professional. They do the same thing. Golf is more of an exclusive. It takes, you're 23, 24 years old, but you've been playing since you're a very young person. So I think a lot of people don't give a lot of golfers credit for, for being consecutively very good. But going into the controversy as well, Chris, I think we can talk about this. The the thing, the reason why this started, this conversation started with Live Golf versus PGA had nothing to do with Phil Mickelson making comments about the the tragic death of Mr. Khashoggi and in in that thing. There was there's conversations well before that about these golfers that have been on the tour a long time trying to cut down their schedules to their event schedules that they're required to make. Uh 
due to their golf rankings that they have to make commitments to actually play throughout the year. There's obviously the major tournaments we talk about as being a casual fan. Obviously, the cat the, the major events, the US Open in the United States, the players championship, which is this weekend at TPC Sawgrass in Florida. Hence why we're doing this topic now because it's a pretty big event. It's the it's the players championship, which is known to be the players championship. It is run by not by the organization, but by the players. And the reason why this topic is important to everyone that understands golf is that the top, the champion that won last year at the Mr. Smith, Cam, Cam Smith, was not accepted to come back, even though he's a champion because of his status on the Live Golf Tour. The top five players in the world that won, that were in the top 10 of the tournament last year are now in Live Golf. So the argument now is, Chris, I think, and as a sports person, you understand this, you want to play against the very best of the best, right? That's what you want. No, absolutely. So at the same time, what the argument is with Live Golf is pretty simple. I'll just give you an example of what happened. In the world of golf, which, Chris, I think you looked this up too as well, that there is something called when you win a major tournament like the Masters, which comes around soon, once you win the Masters, you are allowed to play every single year regardless of what player ranking that you're ranking in the world rankings that you sit in. But And also there's something called a sponsor exemption. And there's other things that also some of these tournaments you qualify based on your overall world rankings. So because Live Golf started, the PGA, and I'm not saying they're very like a teenager, but the world rankings did not see the status of the Live Golf results in your world ranking numbers. So... Just to give you a clear clear indication here, Chris, there's the PGA Tour, which is played in the United States, the DP World Tour, which is played in Europe. That used to be known as the European Tour when we were kids. That's what they changed it to. It's a DP World Tour that's over in uh, Europe, and they do have they do foresee live golf ranking players as allowed to play. And then they have the Asian Tour, World Asia Tour, which allows them to also play and also Latin America. So the three, basically, the, the, the rather part of the globe allows people to actually play the game of golf. So it's just, this kind of, this conversation is kind of complicated, guys, so bear with me here while I'm trying to navigate this so everyone has a kind of a base on what we're talking about. The main topic of conversation with golfers is I want to have world official world rankings. So... Let's just say hypothetically, I know not every single player is a Bryson DeChambeau or a Dustin Johnson or uh, Tiger Woods or any one of these players that, I mean, the, the roster to live golf, by the way, this year. Okay, I'll just give you give you the list here. And some of these players you may know, some of them you don't. And Chris, I think you can probably agree with me that some of these guys you will recognize. Uh, just a casual golf fan. Um, for example, Bryson. We I just I said Bryson, Paul Casey, and Ebron Lahir. 
uh, Lahiri. He actually finished runner-up in this in the, in the Players' Championship last year. Charles Howell III. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen, excuse me. Uh, Brandon Brandon Grace. Dean Burmeister. Charles Swatzel. Uh, terrible names, Saturday. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. If I batch botch professional golfers' names, I am terrible. But let's just we go through the list here. The main ones that you probably recognize is Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Pat Perez, Sergio Garcia, Abe Anser, Carlos Ortiz. Obviously, everyone knows Phil Mickelson, Kevin Na, Bubba Watson, who just actually got came off an injury this year, so this is his first year. Taylor Gooch. Uh, Harold Varner III, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood. Those guys you recognize. Those guys have been on the tour. So a lot of this group of people have been on the tour for 15, 20 years. Some of these guys have been on the tour for a decade. So, Chris, my question to you as a person is, out of those five guys that we just listed, or even the guys we listed, which one do you think was the biggest pull that pissed off the PGA the most? Well, again, it'd be hard to say. I mean, obviously, you look at the names like uh, Dustin Johnson. I mean, he was probably not one of those well-known names, you know, aside from, you know, Phil and Sergio. But, you know, Phil, Phil and Sergio are kind of the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s stars of, of the PGA. But I would I would have to say to me, Dustin Johnson would probably be the biggest, uh, probably be the biggest steal that live live saw I, I i guess i could i am i correct you're close and, and the reason why if you look at that list of names i mentioned cam smith right i mentioned that were the guy cam smith he won the tournament last year at the tpc sawgrass this tournament he also won uh the british open last year he and now he did not come to live golf till after he won the British Open or the Open as they call it now. Uh, so he waited till almost mid season to come on board. Everybody knows about Phil Mickelson, but Phil Mickelson. So everyone understands this. The, live golf was primarily last year in the inaugural season was primarily on YouTube. It had a good following. It had a decent showing, but this year they just announced a multi year deal with the CW network, which actually you can watch the coverage on the CW app for free. So it's just like a YouTube thing. You don't have to have a TV. You just go to the app and you watch it like a normal coverage. People have asked me, Hey, do you, can you still watch it on YouTube? Not really. Can't watch the full thing. So that that's the thing. And I, I think, so going into it, the main, I think your argument is correct with Dustin Johnson. Me personally, I think it was Brooks Kepka. And everyone knew, everyone that kind of casually watched golf knew that Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChampo didn't like each other. It was kind of funny. They just had a little friendly, I would not say friendly rivalry, but they had a rivalry. Didn't like each other. And uh, Brooks Kepka, in my opinion, was the one that kind of, in my personal view, alongside with Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, kind of those three together. And then Cam Smith coming on board, Bryson as well. Bryson probably could have stayed on the PGA Tour and and garnered a lot of celebrity, but he he stayed. So that's the group of guys that are playing right now on Live Golf. Now, the reason why I bring this up 
is that everybody talks about this argument about sport washing by the Saudi Arabian government or it's by the people. And I, I hate to say this to everybody, the contracts of all these live golfers, they're going to be set for the rest of their life. Uh, so let's give you an example. Let's give you an example. Chris, what do you think? If you only had to play 14 events a year, okay, which, by the way, the structure of Live Golf, I think we can well read into this. It has a, pri a, a, a prize pool of about $25 million. I think it's $20 million, Sorry, $20 million, a tournament, um, a total prize purse. So, obviously, the first person, the first winner of the solo uh, wins uh, $4.44 million. And there's also a team element to it which uh, the total team win, I think, is a million and a half, and they split that amongst, I think, the four members. And there's a lot. There's a team element to it. That's why there's a lot of attraction towards Live Golf is because these guys are not just making a bounty. They're doing it as a team, and they're doing it as a – it's a kind of a different format. It's a shotgun start, which if anyone doesn't know what golf is, what shotgun start means everyone starts on a hole, a different hole, and they all play through. So everyone's playing 18 holes at – one time, you don't have to wait for the late tea times, which I think, Chris, as a casual fan, you might appreciate that because you can watch that for two hours and go about your business after. So, yeah, and the, and the field, I believe, is uh, 48 golfers, correct? Yeah, they, they might expand that. I believe it is 48 total, which we'll talk about this later on. But the PGA just announced this past week that they're expanding their exclusive tournaments which has no cuts and they're raising the prize pool to basically match what live golf is doing. So we'll discuss that later on and kind of how this kind of navigates the, the sports picture of golf here. But let's give you an idea here uh, of the contracts that these guys are making. Okay. Phil Mickelson, $200 million. These are all five-year contracts. Okay. Five-year contracts. Dustin Johnson, 150 million. Bryson, 125 million. Brooks Kepka, 100 million. Cameron Smith, 100 million. Okay, let me just tell you something here. That's 675 million dollars for five players. Okay, the total revenue of the PGA Tour in 22 was somewhere over 1.5 billion. So over time. Live Golf is going to spend more money on their players than what the PGA Tour is even worth at some point. Also, um, just to kind of reiterate this a little bit, Chris, uh, it, it's it's perfectly acceptable for people to not like Live Golf. It's a different format, right? I don't have a say so what you like or don't like but what i have a huge problem with and i think we can hear this over the topics of the podcast over the last year or so is that i i hate hypocrisy i hate when people don't you know rules for thee but not for me and there's a certain level of you know certain things here that just don't make any sense on why people are upset. Now, what I'm getting at is that 
there is money companies that the PGA Tour is sponsored by that have some kind of Saudi Arabian business dealings. And I'm going to go through a very list of sponsors here that these players, which we talked about earlier on a sponsor exemption for some of these tournaments. Most of the players that play in the PGA Tour that are in the top 50 to top 75 will play about 8 to 10 times a year, potentially. Some are, you know, exemption status and some don't. Some just don't want to play. So 14 events, in my opinion, is doable for these guys that don't live golf. But just go through the list here, Chris. Ready for this? Can you guess who Bryson DeChampo is sponsored by back when he was on the PGA Tour? I couldn't. I could not tell you without without uh, without looking up. To be honest with you, Tim. Rocket Mortgage, who has a very large business dealing with Saudi Arabia. Uh, RBC is a sponsor by Justin Johnson when he was on the tour. Phil Mickelson, ready for this? Here we go. American Express, Callaway Golf, Heineken, Amstel, and Workday. Ian Poulter, Mastercard. Henrik Stenson, Mutual of Omaha. Lee Westwood, UPS. Some of these guys have very large, large business dealings with Saudi Arabia. Now, obviously, after they announced to go to Live Golf, MasterCard paused some of their deals with a couple of these guys. Uh, Phil Mickelson probably took it the biggest when it came to sponsor deals because Callaway Golf... Uh, pause their relationship. So what I'm getting at is guys is that the argument that play people place against the tour is something that's completely reckless. If you actually sit there and watch, I think you said you watched it. Did you actually enjoy the coverage, Chris, for the most part? Yeah. I mean, overall, you know, and again, me as a, as a fair weather golf fan, when I watched it, you know, it was easier to follow because obviously it was just a fewer number of players. Um, you know, just from a, and again, I haven't obviously watched any of the tournament uh, at the start of their season this year, but, um, you know, the, the graphics they had on the left side of the camera or on the left side of the screen were really, really good because they were in live time. And then also the, the, the team format was something I found interesting. You know, where golf is traditionally a, and I think will always be an individualized sport, but when you look at it from a, from a team aspect to it, it definitely brings more of a, of an appeal to it. And obviously, as we've talked about too, with only having a, uh, you know, a smaller field, the tournaments just start, I mean, or the, the rounds just take less time. You know, you're not sitting around from morning until early evening, um, waiting on a tournament to finish so, or waiting on a round to finish. So, um, yeah, I, I, I overwhelmingly did like the way the tournaments were, uh, were set up for sure. So honestly, going back into this, what what is your? Uh, I'll ask a simple question here: Is do you think Live Golf will sustain itself, or is it going to go back? Everyone's going to go merge back into itself, and everyone's going to be back happy, happy, joy, joy here in the next couple of years. I mean, I I look at it from the perspective of not as as again, I probably beat a dead horse with saying, uh, you know, not being a full uh, a full time golf fan, but. I, you know, I did find, I did find similarities back to when, uh, you know, and again, 
obviously say we're really going to talk motorsports, but uh, end up throwing a little bit of motorsports into it. Um, you know, when the uh, when the Indy Racing League or what was then it was then CART uh, split from or split in 1996 and became uh, you basically had two open wheel series. You had the Indy Racing League and you had CART. And, you know, they basically competed um, as two separate entities, you know, from 1996 until they reunified in 2008. So you had 12 years of, of separation. Um, so, again, who, who knows how long it'll be? But I do see just based on some of the changes that the PGA Tour is making um, or these proposed changes that they're making that they're definitely, you know, they they the PGA tour still is the 800, you know, it was looked at as the 800 pound gorilla. And I still think that there's still the gorilla in the room, but maybe they are only about 650 pounds now. They definitely. Yeah, can yeah, see I, the, I, I, I agree. I, I do. I, I agree with you there. Um, Cause ultimately, and I, ultimately I think what, what will happen, you know, when you start, when you're, when you have a, a, a basically a pseudo monopoly in, in, in any type of business, not just, not just sports, but when you have a pseudo monopoly in, in something, you you get you get lazy, you get complacent, and then when you have uh, you have folks come in who've got you know there's no there's no such thing as, as an unlimited budget. You know, there's only a finite amount of money on planet Earth. But when they come in with you know with very very deep pockets and are willing to pay you know these inordinate amount amounts of money to get the best players in the world and tell them, hey, you only have to play half the amount of tournaments compared to what you have to pay on uh, play on the on the PGA tour side and you're making I don't know seven, eight, nine times more money. I mean that's very hard to say no to. I I'll say this the the one thing that's gonna keep this saga or this journey or the story together for a long period of time is two things. There is a class action lawsuit going on between the two of them, which now they just now rule that they can dispose of the uh, of the investment fund. They can actually the PGA can actually, you know, dispose that person. Also, the majors and Chris, I know you're a casual fan, which you've stated many times, is that they've actually ruled that the major tournaments, which, by the way, are completely ruled by a separate body of government, like governing and golf. They're governed by themselves. So the Masters is ruled by the members of Augusta. And they they said that any winner, past winner of the Masters, who is now currently on the Live Golf, can compete. That's why you see some of the internet memes out there with, you know, with Scotty Scheffler, who he is a he made a joke about it. He said all the Live Golf guys can go at ninth green at 9 p.m which is a running joke about, you know, Happy Gilmore with the the sprinkler system, but it the argument that the the PGA Tour guys are making, or I mean are making now are completely what Phil Mickelson and some of these guys and Roy McIlroy and even Tiger Woods, which by the way, Tiger Woods wasn't very vocal with this other than saying that he doesn't believe it's a it's a it's a competitive atmosphere, which he could have kept his mouth shut on that situation, but it's Tiger Woods. He's going to make his voice heard, and he, that's how he's going to play it. But the thing is, Chris, the, the one thing that's going to decide all this, the ending of this, because how long it goes on for, you know, is that if the 
the world governing body of golf says, Hey, you're actually going to receive world ranking points based on your participation in, in live golf. These guys can now qualify for tournaments because some of these guys will. And the reason why I bring this up is for all the other topics that we talk about sports, golf is the one that has like 19 different exemptions to, for you to enter any kind of competition. Like I, I said, sponsor past winner, hell, you can be an amateur. You can be a, you, you, you have like four different types of exemptions for a tournament. But the one thing that you don't have an exemption for is, which, by the way, the exemptions for these tournaments, if you are a past winner for some of these major tournaments, other than the Masters and the U.S. Open and the British Open, um, is only like four or five years. So, you know, Bryson G. Shampo can play three or four years in this tournament um because he's a past winner uh tiger woods you know these guys can play for a lifetime in the masters and things like that but other major tournaments they you know they want to continually earning points so they can qualify for these tournaments so they can actually play i understand it's a big pocket of money which by the way it, it really is it, these guys are making a substantial amount of money but they also still have to maintain there's also parts of this contract, Chris, I don't think you, I'm not sure if you read into them or not, but they really can't have too many personal endorsement deals, um, which kind of determines on how much money they're making. Um, I'll just give an example for this. When a player goes on the live golf thing, they're show, they're, they're supposed to be wearing uh, the live golf uh, when they do like a media or any kind of, kind of media type of interview or any like that. They're supposed to be wearing live golf attire. They're not supposed to be wearing any other type of attire. Um, when they're on the golf course, they can wear pretty much their own personal endorsements that they carry, but they're they very short, shorts too, right? Wasn't that? A yeah. Big deal they, oh, oh yeah. Hell yeah. That was a big deal. As a guy that golf, believe me, shorts are a godsend. I tell you, uh, it, it, especially in the middle of freaking the summertime. Another big argument that a lot of people made Chris. And I think, people can argue about this for nauseum stake here is that some of these tournaments were played on Trump organization, uh, golf courses last year. They're only played, I think on two or three, I think it was two. I think it was Bedminster in Miami, which national it was Trump national in Doral, Miami this year. Let's give you the schedule here, which you talk about. You miss out and you only miss out on one, by the way, you missed out on the one up in playa. And basically it was in Cancun. Cancun, Mexico. Uh, the one this coming next week, I think next two weeks, is uh, Tucson, Arizona. The Orange County National, uh, which is Orlando. You have Australia, Singapore, Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is the same place that played the last year in the U.S. Open two years ago. Uh, Trump National in D.C. Uh, Spain, England. Uh, I believe it was West Virginia. Ben Mister, Illinois, Miami, and they're playing the last tournament this year in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, as a schedule, you can't tell me it's not diverse. You know, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a pretty diverse schedule, man. Like I feel bad if I was a golfer that you had to fly all the way around the world like eighteen times, but these guys make plenty of money. When you're making that much money, I think you, you you'll 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 put up with the with the travel. Oh, I agree. 
So that's that's where you kind of get at here is is and this is why I seem like a more informative me talking too much podcast. But to me, the argument needs to be made here that the PGA doesn't have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to this argument. You talk about the elephant in the room when it didn't. These players were begging for the PGA to make those moves three, four, five years ago. Now they announced this past month that they're going to have no cut tournaments which is a first for them. For the PGA Tour not to have cuts is almost unheard of. I mean, it's I don't know how you think about that, which, by the way, is a, is a, it's a vote for contention. People like cuts. When you have 150 players, I understand having a cut. But with Live Golf, you only have 48 players, and in the PGA, you're going to have 80 people in that tournament, and there's going to be no cuts. That's still going to be very boring coverage on the PGA side. Well, I mean, if you if you're a if you're a fan watching it, I mean, and again, like I'm a fan, but still boring as hell to watch. I mean, is is it really worth having? Like, for example, is it really worth having a player who's twenty over for a round continue to continue to play? I mean, I, I don't, I, I I see, and that's where and, and that's where live golf, I think, has it has it going with the the team aspect of it because uh, I'm not sure if you know the rules on this on the team aspect three out of the four players count for the scoring total for the team that day. So they do it each day. So there's three days. So let's say you don't score that day, but you do really well the day before the next day. And your, your overall score sucks. Maybe you're like, you said like 10 over 15 over, but let's say that one day you, you recorded a round of 10, 10, like five or six under par. And then the other guy records like another five under. So it, it, it kind of combines and it helps the team score. So that's where I think, you know, the live golf has a team aspect of it, man. It's just, in my personal view, a lot better aesthetically pleasing to watch on television. Um, and I, I can't, I know I'm not going to say this. Phil Nance, Phil Nance will just, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I can't watch too much more um, after listening to him and Tony Romo talk on the NFL season. But it's just to me, man. It, I know this is a conversation that's outside your parameters here, but like as a sports fan, you kind of have to enjoy it for what it is. It's called competition. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, you can't, you can't, again, sometimes competition makes everybody better. Um, and I think, I mean, could, could I see there be a point in time where, you know, the, the, the Saudis, you know, they, they've been involved in all types of sports and they're, they're willing to spend money, but there could be a point in time where they find don't find the value in spending money, and before you know it, this this league is gone. Who's who's to say that's going to happen? Only time will tell. But in terms of right now, what they're doing, I mean, clearly the PGA Tour has their eye. If they're if if they're if they're making these significant changes to their uh, to the way that they conduct their tournaments and how how these tournaments are broken into by the majors and the major major tournaments and your regular PGA tour and FedEx cup tournaments. I mean, if they're not making changes, that does that, that clearly means that they are looking at, and are definitely looking to see what the, what the competition is doing. Cause if they ultimately if they didn't care, they wouldn't be doing it. So um, it, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how this plays out. Um, the next many years and obviously with some of the litigation going on too i think that'll also factor in as well um you know whatever that the decisions are made on that too as well i think seriously uh, not to say this uh, to go down this avenue here but 
the PGA Tour commissioner could have probably gone about this a little bit differently. And I know he won't regret saying anything that he has said in the media and, and acted the way he acted. But as a fan of the sport, I don't see how both of these couldn't coexist for the game of the golf. Like, I, I really don't see how that these guys that play on the PGA Tour, listen, you know, we're not going to suspend you. Which, by the way, when these guys, I mean, you can read this. All the listeners can read this. When these players decided to go to live golf, they're basically giving up their entire livelihood that they know to go take this money or what they people consider a bounty, you know, of 20 plus million dollars a year. However, a lot of people don't seem to understand that the PGA tour didn't give them any outlet to say, you know, they, they didn't give them any outlet. They, they said, okay, listen, you want to go there? Fine. You can't come back though. It's not like, hey, you're going to be suspended for three years or anything. These guys are being lifetime banned, like blacklisted, like Pete Rose in baseball for going to a competition. How is that not a how is that not a monopoly? It, it just it's a game of golf, man. And it's it's not which, by the way, you know, you know this. It's OK to have competition. In the world of NASCAR, in the world of motorsports, we have competition. There's the Cars Tour, there's NASCAR, there's the Xfinity Series, there's Wheel and Tour Modifieds, there's drag racing, there's IMSA, there's IndyCar, there's sports car championship, there's endurance races, there's Baja racing, plenty of motorsports to go around. It's called a sport. It's called racing. Golf only had basically one major brand here in the United States. So, I mean, Chris, I'll let you have the floor here, but I'm saying, like, in my view, these guys were kind of limited in the United States to play. Either they had to go over in Europe and play, which isn't exactly guaranteed, or they had to go play in Asia, which isn't guaranteed. So, I mean, if I was a player that made that kind of money, it's a no-brainer if you ask me, man. Yeah, no, I think... I think clearly one one of the challenges and things that people are going to have to think about long term is uh, you know is 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 this sustainable. I mean, you figure um, you know could could two golf leagues coexist? Like you said, absolutely. I mean, I think they could. I think the challenge of it is, and I think we've seen it in many sports that have seen splits or factions or breaks in uh, in, in competition. Is when you have two of something, you dilute the uh, you dilute the talent pool. You won't have the um, you know when you when you can't see all the best guys on the same field uh, on the same course or on the same field or on the same track together. Then it also brings into account people are going to say, "Oh, well, this is this is not you know well if, if this guy wins." wins a PGA tour event, then, well, you know, he's not playing up against the top guys who are all on the live tour. So you also bring that factor in as well, just solely on, on the fact that people are going to second guess, you know, Oh, well, he's not playing against the best guys. So clearly this is, you know, this is a watered down version of what, of what I'm, of what I'm watching. Um, so I think you got that, that perspective is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, to watch and see 
long term, what happens uh, what happens there. So if indeed these two uh, entities do uh, do remain separate, I, I will say the hypocrisy knows no bounds, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the the great libtards and the great uh, snowflakes of the world. For all the people that care about all these stats about diversity and all that other stuff, here is the best facts for you. For all you women golf fans out there, the biggest sponsor of women's golf in the United States, Armaco, is a nationally funded by the by the same fund. So I'm talking about it's a company that is a national company. So it to me, that's all the people in the world. They want to talk about diversity and they want their own their own rights and things like that. It's just kind of funny how to me, Chris, that people don't understand the argument here is that we become a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> it, it really sounds like that. And so when it comes to sports, it, it sounds like it, it's you, you, you like LeBron James, but he does business with China. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, there's a there's uh, a there's a there's a fake moral high ground that that everybody tries to uphold. You know, and I think yeah, we've seen it definitely the PGA where you know essentially they're saying, oh, well, all these guys are taking blood money. Well, you know, as you as you mentioned, how many of these how many of these uh, athletes are sponsored by you know companies that have questionable uh, you know human rights or questionable uh, uh, you know things that they've engaged in over the years. So yeah, that there is a level of, uh, you know, fake moral outrage. I think that we all, that we all kind of see, uh, go on right now for sure. So it, the one thing that I, I think a lot of people don't understand, and I, I want to keep this kind of brief here about this, the public investment fund or better known as the PIF is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. It's the, it's basically what they use um, for a lot of their different interests. They want to take part, take part in. Um, they they invest in new companies. They start companies. So it's a pretty largely diverse fund. And there's no question that, and I mean this respectfully, it's a very large, diverse fund. A lot of companies that the United States have done. The companies that are in the United States, we can list through them here. Uh, video game companies, concert distributors, not going to name them, Live Nation, uh, airport, airplane manufacturers, credit card companies, large, big funds. So what I'm saying to everybody is EA Sports, Take-Two Interactive, Blizzard, Nintendo all has interests or have investment interests from the same fund. That is my point that I'm making to a lot of people is you can't have this fake moral outrage and not understand that most of the things that you purchase and most things you consume and use on a daily basis has some kind of this kind of interest. Investment projects are 38% of this fund's projects. Live golf is one ounce. It's like a drop in the bucket to these people. It's what it is. And I mean that in all respect to everything. The amount of money they spend on live golf is nothing in comparison to what they spend on other things like 
Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. And, and things along these, and also soccer for all you sports fans that love European soccer. So I'm going to end with this, Chris. At some point, sports fans need to get off their moral high ground and just enjoy what they're watching, either playing or consuming it in some way, shape, or form. And at some point, by people doing not doing that and getting into these moral arguments, they're not getting any better in their golf game. They're still they're still slicing the ball. They're still hooking the ball. They're still pulling it. They're not hitting. They're duffing their they're duffing their chips. They're not playing golf well. They're just arguing about nothing. A lot of people don't realize that the game of sports in life have zero day to day reflection on what we do, other than if you're a professional sports better. If you are, congratulations. But that being said. The game of golf is something that you enjoy. It's a challenging game. I think, Chris, you can agree with me on that. It is a challenge. It's not something as easy that uh, everybody can do it well. There's 99% of us that suck at it, and there's 1% that are really good. And the 1% are unfortunately not monopolized to uh, to the PGA Tour anymore. I will be interested to see what happens at the Masters, Chris. I think you can agree with me. I hope Tiger Woods competes and does well. Uh I think we're going to have ourselves a com competitive year when it comes to the majors. But uh, the next Live Golf Tournament is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not Tulsa. I'm sorry. Tucson, Arizona. Excuse me. I'm looking at the wrong schedule. But I want to get your last thoughts here. I'll let you have the floor, man, since I've been talking for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, uh, you know, this was, a, I think, it was definitely an interesting conversation. I, I, learned, I learned plenty. You know, but I think we'll see what happens long term. And, you know, for the for the betterment of golf, it'd be great to have everybody under one roof. But I think ultimately, if, um, you know, if indeed that this uh, separation continues, as long as these guys can uh, at least come together for the majors, because when it comes down to it, and I, you know, you may agree or disagree, but I feel like, you know, the majors are the are the big events that people pay attention to. So at least. From that perspective, uh, the major events, you'll see all these guys still continue to come together and play. Now, obviously, I think it will affect the regular tournaments. Uh, but I think only time will tell uh, what will happen. And, you know, hopefully, again, both sides can eventually maybe come back together and can have either a stronger PGA Tour or if it indeed gets absorbed into the Live Tour or some, some semblance of both. Um, I think it will be uh, yes soon to tell. I, I think I agree with you a lot there. I, I think with closing here, I think a, a time will tell. I think we'll know more here in the next three years uh, of the status of Live Golf. Um, with them having a TV rights deal now, um, them kind of moving around the world when it comes to their tournaments, they're taking on notoriety. Uh, fandom is growing. The, their, their organization is obviously growing in fans. I think, seriously, the game of golf is in good hands. I think the 1% of the golfers that are really good will have more competitiveness to play and, and do this for a living. Um, but that's what it's really all about, if you ask me. It, it's, it gives these guys an opportunity to play competitively and make money doing it. Now, the guys that, Chris, I think you can agree, the guys that are playing right now on Live Golf, they're making goo amounts of money. And so they're not hurting. 
You know, they're not they're not hurting. But when you see guys that are competing on the PGA Tour that are ranked number one, number five, number three, number seven, and they're all really playing close net, net together, and they're and because of the rule changes that the PGA has made in the last year, some of these requirements that they're making for competition's sake, you have to understand that Live Golf did do some reckless. I would say the bull in a china shop. It, it shook things up. And that being said. I think it's interesting to talk about this going to get the TP, you know, obviously the players' championship weekend. Have some fun to watch casually. I know it's uh, it's kind of in between sports seasons right now. It's we can there's not too much uh, NFL action. Just came off the combine. There's not enough XFL, which the quality of play there is kind of lacking. And there's NCAA March Madness about to kick off. So there's kind of in between things here, and. Uh, that's all we ask for as sports fans. We want to have something to enjoy. So that being said, guys, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know it was kind of a talk fest, but uh, I appreciate you joining us. Hopefully it was educational. Feel free to like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tweet us, do all the other fun things you like to do on social media. Keep your keep your illicit pics to yourself. And uh, that being said, I appreciate the opportunity as always, Chris, from you joining me. Until next week for another fun one. Let's do it. Yes, sir. All righty. Let's see. 58-46. Thank you for listening to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Facebook.